We would like to welcome you this morning to Abundant Life Ministries as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Well, this morning we're still on a, uh, a PowerPoint fast. Um, maybe you, you haven't been here. Uh, you'll notice that we, we do have PowerPoint. And I'm very supportive of PowerPoint. But how many of you got your Bibles this morning? Raise them up for me. Hey, hey. We're going to have PowerPoint next week. Yeah. You see, we went on the PowerPoint fast because when I did that the first time, it was like one or two. So I said, well, I ain't going to feed you unless you're going to bring your Bible, and then we'll do that. You know, so it, it, no, it's, it's a blessing for us to be able as Americans to come and to open the Bible that we have in our own language. And there's so many people in so many countries that don't even have the Word of God in their language. And when they get it, it's like they cry over it, they hug it, they kiss it because they're so passionate about now they've got the Word of God communicated in their own language. And so that's why we don't have PowerPoints today. But anyways, I, I entitled this message this morning, Gold or God, or you could say God or Gold. One thing that I've been trying to teach my children as we do our family devotional time, as we look through God's Word, is that it's important for them as they study and read God's Word to understand the problem that we find within the text that we're reading. And I'll tell you why I think it's important, because only when we begin to understand the problem within the passage of Scripture in which we read is when we begin to grasp different solutions to the problem. And then we can begin to create solutions to these problems which will help us, in the end, see the result of what happens when we respond to those solutions which we find. Because the reality is, is when we, when we open the Word of God and we read about the lives of these men, like, like this morning in Sunday school, we read about the life of Abraham and Isaac and how God called Abraham to, to take his son Isaac, the child of promise, and to deliver him up in sacrifice. Now you think about that for a minute. We begin to look at what kind of problems could exist in that text. I don't know about you, but if somebody asked me to go sacrifice my son, I sure ain't getting up first thing in the morning and going and taking my son to the mountain. I'm going to stay in bed a little longer and maybe pray a little longer. But no, we see the faithfulness of this man. But this man was just like me and you. He was no different. He wasn't some superman. He was a human being like me and you. And so when we understand the problems within the text, the same problems they dealt with are the same problems that we deal with today. And so understanding the problem will help us be able to create a solution to the problem, which when we follow that will result in something special. So I, 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 I wrote this kind of bogus story, and I want us to think about a, maybe a little boy by the name of Bobby. Okay, take that same idea, the problem, the solution, and the result, and, and, and take that and put it into a form in the story about a little kid by the name of Bobby. Bobby was a, 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 a school kid, much like when I was in school, when I was in elementary school. Dad, you remember, when I was in school, we, we, we went to school right across the street, and so many times we would, we would walk home after school. Well, Bobby was coming home one day from school, and he was walking, and a car pulled up beside Bobby, and the man said, Hey, Bobby, listen, your mama told me to stop by and pick you up this morning and bring you home. Something's going on. And Bobby 
being like most kids, not knowing a stranger, not having fear of anybody, says okay, and he gets in the car, but little does Bobby know that this man's a kidnapper. You see, that's not a true story. I'm sure it's true at some point in somebody's life. But the reality is, is I want us to think about what's the problem? What's the problem? Well, the problem is this. Number one, I would say that uh, at least the, the problems that I found is that Bobby's walking home from school by himself. The second problem that we might be able to discuss would be that Bobby wasn't taught to run away from strange men. Or strangers. A, a third problem that we could see that would be that, that, that Bobby didn't have a, a password system. I, I remembered when we were kids and we walked home, Dad said, okay, here's a password. You don't go with anybody. If there's an emergency and I send for you, they need to know this password. And so if this man were to come up to Bobby and say, Bobby, get in the car, all Bobby had to do is say, what's the password? See, the problem, he didn't have a password system. So what's the solution to the problem? Well, solution number one is Bobby's parents could have picked him up from school. The second solution to the problem could have been that uh, you could teach your children to flee from strangers. A a third solution to the problem would be to give your child a password and have them to, to know this before they went home with a stranger or someone else. Or for that fact, anybody. We have a problem, we have a solution, and if we follow the solution, what would be the result? That's what it needs to look like when we read the Word of God. Because God's Word is great. You know, as, as I've been working a little bit on the side, I've been mowing grass, and I put my earplugs in, and I put my headphones on, and I listen to the Bible for about four or five hours. It's great. But the reality is, is when I read that, I'm trying to think, what, what's the problem? Because I want to be changed. The same way I came in this building, I don't want to leave out. And if I can't understand what the problem is in my life, then how can I change? Well, that's what we want to do. We want to understand the problem. And when we understand the problem, we can say, all right, what's the solution to the problem? And when we follow that solution, we can say, all right, here's the result. And the result is that Bobby would have a lot better chance of not being kidnapped. You see, this silly story is a great way for us to look at God's Word. And I can preach to you and myself every Sunday, but truth is until, until you begin to ask the right questions of the text in your own life and in your own time, you will always depend on someone else to teach you how to be changed by God. I want you to be changed by yourself in your home with your family. I want you to be teachers in your home, men. I want you to teach your children the Word of God. You say, well, I'm not really, I haven't been to college. Listen, I done told you once, I've been to Bible college and I retained maybe 5%. It didn't really help that much. But I can tell you what helps is when I get in the, the Word of God and I start asking simple little questions, well, what's the problem? And that's what we do as a family. And you'll be amazed at the questions kids ask when you say, well, what's the problem? Well, the problem is this, Daddy. Okay, well, that's great, honey. What's the solution? Well, here's the solution to the problem. That's what we want. Now, if we were to take that same idea from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, for an example, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. What's the problem? Well, the problem is, is sometimes you and I don't trust God. 
Right? Who doesn't have a problem sometimes trusting God? I do. Uh, when God called us to move to Montana, I had a problem for a little while. The problem is that sometimes we don't trust. Well, what's the solution? Well, the solution is to trust and acknowledge. The, the, the Hebrew word for acknowledged in, in that is uh, bara, means to acknowledge, to, to know. You see, when we know God, when we trust God, when we know God, when we know His attributes, that He's holy and that He's just and that He's perfect, that He's all-knowing, that He's omnipresent, when we know who God is, we don't have near as much problem trusting in God. That's the solution, to trust. And what's the result? See, the passage gives us the problem, the solution, the result. The result is He will make straight our paths. Understanding the problem, the solution, the result of the passage in which we study will help us accomplish what it is that God wants us to do. And so that's what I want to do. So if you will, let's turn to the book of Mark. Turn with me to book, the book of Mark chapter 8. And while you're turning, I want to, I want to bring some light on this passage it falls very close to the passage of, uh, that we looked at a few weeks ago in Matthew when we named that sermon title, The Cost of Following Jesus. In verse 34, Jesus has summoned the crowds with his disciples and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 35, he says, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Jesus has the desire to express the need for us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Him ultimately. Then Jesus asked the question which we find in our passage of Scripture today in verse 36. Let's read, if you will, this short but powerful question. Mark eight thirty six. He says this, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? A question that I believe that everyone in this room, including myself, understands the answer to. But the real proof that we understand this should be that we are living our lives based upon understanding the rhetorical question that's asked. You and I know the answer, but it was asked by the Lord, and therefore we need to study this passage of Scripture and find out why Jesus asked the question and what Jesus is trying to teach us through this short little passage of Scripture. First thing I want to do is ask questions about the passage so that we can come up with a problem. We need to understand the context first. What is the context? Well, good old Peter is being taught a lesson. Peter is asked a question in the beginning of this chapter. Who do you say that I am, Peter? And then, Jesus, and then he responds to Jesus. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. 
Jesus taught them that it was a necessity for the Son of Man to suffer and be rejected. But Peter, like many of us, he is sometimes hard of hearing. He was told that Jesus would be killed and then three days later that he would rise again. But Peter, being that quick-tongued man that he was, the, the bold man that he was, goes out on a limb and rebukes Jesus. Jesus being God in flesh, knowing all things, being omniscient about all that was happening and that would happen and that has happened, says to Peter in verse 33, Get behind me, Satan. Now what if Jesus said that to you? (laughs) Get behind me, Satan. That probably didn't feel too good to Peter, being that he loved the Lord. He spoke out because of his desire to protect that man, Jesus. But Jesus told him that he was setting his mind, listen, on the interest of man and not on the interest of the one that truly mattered and that was God's interest. Jesus goes on to talk more about what it is to be about the Lord and His work. Simply saying, in order to save your life, you must lose it for the sake of Jesus. That's verse 35, and if you're following me through that passage, then we come to our text. That's the context. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? So what's the problem? Did you hear the problem in there? You see, we don't find the problem in verse 36, we find it back. That's why it's important to understand the context. Jesus has already given us the problem. And it falls right there in verse 33. This morning we have to make a great decision. And it begins with asking ourselves the question this. Are you and me this morning setting our minds on the things that interest God or things that interest man? Because I submit to you the problem this morning is that many times we set our minds on things of man and not things of God. I believe that we will find many things in our lives are based upon the interest of man and not the interest of God. It's in our humanity, it's in our sin nature, it's in our flesh. And understanding this problem will help us understand our text this morning. Mark 8, 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? When you and I understand that many things in our lives are driven by our desire and not God's, we can begin to understand our need to pray about what we are doing and what we are wanting to do. The problem in our message today is that there is a desire for gain for self. There is a desire for profit for self, which is being not focusing on the things of God, but thinking about things of man. Two things that I want you to leave here today understanding about this short passage. Point number one is this. Setting our minds on possession 
draws us away from God. Being we don't have PowerPoints, I'll repeat it. Setting our mind on possessions draws us away from God. Secondly, setting our mind on God draws us away from possessions. Setting our minds on God draws us away from possessions. Let's look, if you will, at trying to understand our first point. Setting our minds on possessions draws us away from God. First thing we need to ask is, what is possession? If you look up possession on the internet, you're going to find a bunch of demon stuff. Because everybody's infatuated with demon possessions. I'm not talking about demon possessions. What I'm talking about is the fact that possession means the state of having, owning, or controlling something. Sometimes we call these things material possessions. Belongings that are tangible. So things like houses and lands and Boat and money and cars and businesses and clothes or whatever else that our minds can come up with. Now the question is, are these possessions bad in themselves? Is having a house wrong? Is, is owning a boat wrong? Is, is having a, a car wrong? Of course not. But understanding that setting our mind on these things, these possessions will draw us away from God, will help us understand that we are to have a wise understanding in how we deal and understand with possessions that we have and how we should use them. So that while we may have these things, they will not draw us away from God, but bring us closer to God. Because remember, the problem is that we are sometimes not setting our minds on God's interest, but the interest of man. So what's the major problem? Well, in our culture, what we find today is this horrific prosperity gospel being preached by men and women whom are false teachers. Teachers that will tell you, you can have your best life now. That's terrible. This is not our world. We're strangers. We're aliens is what Peter says. This is not our home. If this is, this, if this is as best as it gets, boy, we're in big trouble. But so many false teachers will begin to teach you that, oh, you are out to get money. Teachers like Osteen and T.D. Jakes and Joyce, Joyce Myers. Oh, I'm calling names because it's important for us to understand those people so that we're aware of their false teachings. T.D. Jakes doesn't believe in the Trinity. That's orthodox Christianity. Do they have good things to say? Of course they have great things to say. But isn't that how the devil works? A little bit of truth with a little bit of lie mixed up sounds great. It's palatable. And we're told in Scripture in the last day, people accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Wanting to have their ears tickled. And that's what we find in our culture. Or the desire is the fact is what man wants and not what God wants when we begin to look at the prosperity gospel. 
Setting our mind on gold will draw us away from God. Setting our mind on money will draw us away from the Master. Setting our mind on homes and houses will draw us away from the Holy Spirit. Setting our mind on cars will draw us away from Christ. And setting our mind on luxury and land will draw us away from the Lord. You see, we need to be reminded that there is a major problem when we begin shifting away from setting our mind on God and setting on things which are created and made by man. The interest of man, or, or man's accomplishments, or man's self-focus. Because hear me out, Scripture teaches different than that. What the world teaches. It's the devil's doctrine. Matthew 4.11 says, The devil took Jesus up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. But Jesus, understanding all things, knowing that gaining the world means nothing, having all possessions means nothing, houses, boats, and babes, and none of these things mean nothing in life. Because listen, at the end of the day, when you lay down and the soul departs from your body, it doesn't matter what you own, someone else will plunder it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. If Jesus was about prosperity, He would have accepted it. Mark 8 says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? We watch too many people invest their lives in things, in possessions, in fame, and in fortune. And forfeit their soul. Many of us know that my uncle passed away Wednesday, March 21st. Let me tell you something. Oh, he had land. He had a house. He had boats. He had cars. He had motorcycles. He had RVs. He had remote control planes out of the ears. He had a bank account full of money. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? Again, Matthew 19.24 says this, Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Setting your mind on possessions, setting your mind on becoming something professional, setting your mind on something of significant value that's made by man will draw you away from God. Because Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve God in wealth. So why in the world would I try to obtain prosperity in this dying world? You remember the rich man and Jesus? He asked, what must I do, Jesus, to have eternal life? And Jesus said, obey the commands. Obey this command, this command, this command. Oh, I've done that. What else is there? The young man said, all these things I've kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much. Listen, God blesses some with wealth. There's nothing wrong with with being wealthy with the right model to follow. God blesses some with wealth. And I've seen God bless people with wealth. And I've seen God's people use it for great and mighty tools to bring about great souls being saved across the nation and across the world. But never is that wealth for the glory of self. It's always for the glory of God. It's a perspective. We can have wealth and focus on God, or we can have wealth and focus on man. I watched my uncle sitting with $326,000 in the bank of account and go out and buy that many lottery tickets. Why? Because it's never enough. We're never satisfied with more when we have a perspective of what man wants. But when we have and we have God's perspective and we understand that I own nothing but everything I have I'm supposed to be a steward of and give back to God what He calls me to give and to help those in need, to give to the poor, to make sure that I'm doing what it is that God's called me to do what He's entrusted me with. problem is, is that we sometimes set our minds on man's interest and fail to do what God's interests are. When God trusts us with money and possessions, we are to invest into the kingdom of God. I, I remember this week reading or listening to the Bible as I was mowing and I, and I heard the parable about those who had been given and entrusted with money and how they invested And some invested, and God blessed them with more. Because they were good stewards, wine stewards. But then one guy hid it because he didn't want to lose it, and God said, take what he had and give it to those who he can trust it to. You see, he wanted them to be good stewards of what he had. If you have been trustworthy of handling worldly things then God will trust you more. But if you're not, then how can He trust you with more? 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Probably the number one most misquoted passage in the world is this. Money is the root of all evil. It's not the root of all evil. It's the root of all kinds of evil. 
Matter of fact, it was misquoted me to yesterday. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Have you ever looked at the lives of those who win the lottery? And they win all these millions of dollars? What happens to most of them? Usually their lives are in shambles. Because they squander what they've been given and entrusted to. And it destroys their life. A matter of fact, my aunt told me yesterday that all the money that she received in the first inheritance that they received, that it ruined their life. I don't care about having any money. That's what she said. See, sometimes we want, we want, we want, and when we get, we realize what we want and we really don't want because it can ruin us. We see the problem, right? But what's the solution to the problem? Well, number two, the solution is setting our mind on God. Understanding that that draws us away from possessions. You see, the more we focus on God, the less possessions become valuable to us. Because we realize that everything here is going to burn up. I've seen houses burned to the ground. I've seen people lose everything they've had. I've seen millionaires broke. I've watched multi-million dollar companies lose everything. It's meaningless. You see, Jesus is like the opposite man, right? We spoke about this a little bit. Whoever wishes to save his life, he must lose it. Forever, whoever loses his life for my sake, he's the one who will save it. You want to draw closer to God, allow us to set our minds on God. Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You might get all of the items you desire in life, but if you and I seek first His kingdom... God will bless us. And maybe we don't get everything we want. But if we seek first His kingdom, He will bless us with what we need. The solution to the problem is to set our mind on God and His desires. Colossians 3, 1-4 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep setting, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is our life is revealed, then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. What does it sound like Scripture wants us to do? Set our mind on being prosperous having all of these great things, being like a, the preachers of L.A. Let me tell you what, I live like a preacher of L.A. I live in a 7,000 square foot house. <coughs> I don't pay for it. It's free. I don't have no money to rent no house. But God, God bless, hey, God bless me. You see, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. God takes care of His children. 
But when we focus on those things like houses, we catch ourselves in this rat race of trying to catch the cheese, and next thing you know, we're dry bones and we're dead and somebody's plundering our junk. As I watched my uncle lie in that bed, all that stuff meant nothing. The RVs, the boats, the motorcycles, the money. <laughs> nothing. It means nothing. What about his soul? Because that day, his life didn't end. Scripture says it began. He's living for eternity somewhere. And all I can hope and pray is that the times that I had to share the gospel, the times that my brother had to share the gospel that he rejected over and over and over and over, that that morning when he called his neighbor and he said, come and pick me up and take me to the emergency room, because he knew he was in big trouble, that he cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ, save a sinner like me. And all of those things became meaningless. I ain't never seen a hearse with a luggage rack on the top or pulling a U-Haul trailer. Things are not bad in themselves as our focuses are right. The question is, how are we doing with it today in our own lives? It's a challenge. Always, it's a challenge for you and for me to set our, our minds on God's things. Because the devil's kingdom is enticing. Listen, I, I want nice things. Would you just, who doesn't want nice things? If you don't want nice things, raise your hand. Okay, everybody wants nice things. But not at the expense of my soul. Not at the expense of my soul. And we got it. We got nice things compared to what the rest of the world has. Even the poor is wealthy in our, in our nation. As I seen on Facebook this morning a picture of this guy from Africa walking on Coke bottles, plastic, squashed, with vines tied around the front as straps for his shoes. I'm thinking flip-flops. I mean, like $1.50 at Walmart. Like, why does everybody in the world not have flip-flops? We're blessed. <laughs> Even when we feel like we're not blessed. It's always a challenge for me and you to set our mind on things above because this world, this culture... The media and everything desires to suck us in. And the devil is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, especially young people. You can't, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. But if I can sell your minds, kids, on certain things, then, the, then they'll get you. We have to be very wise as, as parents to make sure that we are protecting our children from what the world wants them to be. Peter, Jesus says, you're a stumbling block to me. 
You don't have in mind the concerns for God, but merely human concerns. For what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? You can have everything and fail at having Jesus and it would have never mattered. You can have the greatest of greatest things, the nicest of nicest homes, the highest of highest dollar boats and buildings and all of these great things of great amounts of money. But listen, when your soul departs from the body, the flesh which you live in, the shell will remain, but the soul will tarry along for eternity. That's forever. That's forever, times ever, times ever, times ever, to never, ever, ever end. That's a long time. So long that our brains can't even fathom it. Don't be sold out to a false gospel of prosperity. What will a man give, it says in the next verse, in exchange for his soul? And I'm here to tell you today, many give in exchange for their soul for material possessions. And we need to make sure that we protect each other and ourselves from falling into that trap The solution is to regain focus on God and the desires of God and not the desires of man, but God's desires and His missions. And listen, the only way we can understand what His desires are is to to feed and to pour in on God's Word. Because they ain't going to teach you in school, kids, unless you're homeschooled and your parents are Christians and they're feeding into you. They're not going to teach you this in in college, in the secular university. They're going to say, oh, it's okay to to live an alternative lifestyle. It's okay to to go out and, and get drunk and be at the bars and go downtown to the zoo and celebrate on St. Patrick's Day downtown Savannah and trade out some beads for a view. They want you to fail. The world does because it's the devil's world and it's his doctrine. We need to make sure that we don't buy into this false gospel and exchange our soul for things. We need to refocus. Because like it says in Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money, listen, never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is meaningless. I read the book of Ecclesiastes because it just talks so much about this. God blesses some with riches. And this is a great blessing. Here's what, I have to, what I've seen to be good and fitting. To eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself in all one labors in, in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him. And for this is his reward. He has some empowered him to eat from them and to receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God. 
For he will not often consider the years of his life, because God keeps him occupied with the gladness in his heart. Riches are a blessing when focused on God and not on man. I'm afraid of riches. And I want to enjoy the very blessings that I have. Setting our mind on God. Using the, the, the venues in which God has blessed us with. How many of you had the opportunity to share the gospel this week with someone in your workplace? I'm mowing grass. Guy comes out of the house. He's 80 years old. How you doing, Stuart? I'm doing good, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I said, let me tell you something, sir. Make sure you have your house in order. What do you mean? I said, my uncle died last week, and he didn't have no will. He didn't have anything written down, and I'm going to tell you, it's a disaster. It's terrible. Make sure you put your house in order. You're 80 years old. You might not live until next week. You're, you're past the, the extermination date. Yeah, you're right. I need to do that. Let me ask you a question, sir. On the scale from 0 to 100, if you were to die today or Christ were to come back, how sure you go? I'm 98% sure. I, I pray. I, I'm a good guy. I love my wife. And uh, Listen, sir, let me tell you. The Bible says that your greatest deeds are filthy rags. And I had the opportunity to share the gospel with this guy on, my, on, on the lawnmower. <laughs> the world is waiting. For you to open your mouth and to proclaim Jesus. And God is blessing you with opportunities. And I'm sure I've missed a ton of them, trust me. Out of fear or out of something. Or because I'm so consumed with man's interest instead of God's interest. Let us use what God has blessed us with. With our talents, our money, our abilities, our jobs, our whatever. To glorify God and to focus back on God and to get unfocused off of what man's desires are. Setting our minds on God draws us away from possessions. They become meaningless to us. They become less of value. And God becomes of greater value. I'm reminded of this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. It says this, For momentary light affliction is producing for us eternal weight of glory, far beyond our comprehension. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. You see, the closer we get to God, the more we focus on God, the less we see the temporal things. We begin to ask the question, what happens to me when I die? When I get to heaven, what's really going to matter to God? Is it going to be that I stacked up this much money in my bank account? Because I can tell you what's going to happen. If you don't have a will, your siblings will get it. And they'll probably fight over it. (laughs) Or at best, you'll have a will and your son will get a gun, in my case. He'll get a boat or he'll get a little piece of junk Dodge Durango now because I traded my car for that Durango and a boat. Okay, you see, God's blessing me. You might get a lawnmower. 
because um, my uncle gave me one after he passed, so now it'll probably go into someone unless I sell it. They won't get much money because there's not much money to give. But what's going to matter? I can tell you what's going to matter. Anything you've done for God. How many times have you shared the gospel? How many, how many souls have you seen come into the kingdom of God? That's what matters. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. How many people are we investing in making disciples? You know, I can't afford to hire somebody in my little lawn care business yet, but I hired a kid from school. You know why? Because I want to invest in him. And we're memorizing Scripture together. Okay? And we're discussing things like this prosperity gospel, which I had the opportunity to open Scripture with him yesterday while we were eating lunch and, and begin to expound a little bit on the Word of God for him. I, I didn't never know that. Well, if you don't know, now you know. Isn't that great? You see, the thing is, is where are we investing our time, our resources, and our efforts? If it's in humanity, it ain't going to make a hill of beans when we get to the big house. And it's going to be a big house. It's going to be a real big house. A really, really big house. And I've got a room prepared for me. At least that's what Jesus said. For I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That's where we need to be focused on. We need to focus our things on eternal values. Not things that are seen because things that are seen are temporary. But things that are unseen, those are eternal. And that's what matters. But the problem occurs when we are not setting our minds on God, but on man. The interests of man. The solution, set our mind on God and the things of God. Seek His kingdom, His desires, His mission, His lives, His desires for our lives. And the result will be this. That the children of God is fulfilled with whatever life has handed you. Paul was a great example. I have become content with a little. I've had a lot, and I've had a little, and I'm content with both. We sang it this morning. Do we really believe it? God giveth, and God taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Assuming... You're a child of God. This morning, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you have some cultural mechanism for becoming a Christian, as if you've lived a good life, and if you've been a good person, the Scripture says, if you love me, John says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And I want to challenge everybody to say, who here has kept all the commandments? None. Therefore, do we really love God? No. We think we love God. But it's not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. That we might have life, and not have just simply life, but life eternal. This morning, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, be like that man in that lawn at 80 years old. Don't wait to the last minute. Don't have a deathbed experience. Hey, 
I'd rather have a deathbed experience than not one at all, but I don't want to wait to the deathbed to experience salvation. And I don't think anybody should take that chance because the reality is, is you might not even make it out the door this morning. You might fall out right here. And it's over. No second chances. There is no universalism. At least not what I find in Scripture. All people don't go to heaven. And you can go to Beaufort and you go to the utility, uh, whatever it's called. Unitarian Universal Fellowship. And the homosexual pastor tell you everybody goes to heaven and it's all about man, man's wisdom, man's ways, man's glory. That's not what you find in God's Word. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you. Whom today will you choose? Will you choose gold or God? Will you choose the prince or possessions? Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you.